0: It's always fun on Super Bowl Sunday to see a lot of our 6 p.m. folks come to morning mass for the first time all year. Some of our high schoolers, this is what Sunday morning feels like. Uh, there's daylight and there's light. You should enjoy it sometime. So our, our church in the United States this week celebrates National Marriage Week. It's a rather apropos in the run-up to Valentine's Day next week. It makes sense. Uh, and it's an opportunity for us in at least our country to talk about The beauty of the vocation and the sacrament of marriage and family life. It's so essential to the church and to society as a whole. Because when marriages are strong, uh, society around it is strong as well. And we as a church have a vested interest in the strength of our marriages. And in today's gospel, Christ addresses maybe the underlying virtue at the heart of marriage. Namely, the virtue of chastity. This is a virtue that all of us are called to have, whether we're married or not, whether we're in high school or college or a senior citizen, whether a priest or religious, all of us, every one of us is called to the virtue of chastity, that that virtue that beautifully orients our desires toward authentic communion, toward self-giving love, and the truth of how we are made as male and female. But for every virtue, though, there is, you could say, a vice on the other side of the coin that fights against that virtue. And of course, Christ mentions that in our gospel today, that being the vice of lust. And in our gospel, brothers and sisters, we hear Christ speaking quite honestly, bluntly, and candidly about how we are called to fight against that vice of lust. He talks about its effects and why it is so wrong. So there can be no mistaking what Jesus means. When he says, you, you heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, whoever looks at someone with lust has already committed adultery in their hearts. Or maybe if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. They are very bold words. But it is the truth, not literally to dismember ourselves. But if we are struggling with any sin, especially the sin of lust then we need to purge the source of those sins from our lives to put up every barrier, every roadblock we can between us and our sinful habits. So I have every confidence that our Lord would tell us in this day and age, if YouTube, TikTok, or Instagram causes you to sin, get rid of them. If your phone causes you to sin, Change how it can be used. Many people nowadays, unfortunately, and I hear confessions, so I know this, dwell on lust all the time, especially on the internet, and it might not be infidelity per se, but it is certainly devoting time and energy towards others, and it's just as wrong. It can be just as destructive. We either master our desires or we find ourselves mastered by them. So if we are struggling with sin, especially maybe the sin of lust we can talk about today, we need, as Christ reminds us, to sometimes take drastic measures to rid it from our lives. Now, if we struggle with a sin long enough, if that habit has been so long standing for us, it's easy to almost just live with it from time to time. You know, just to think like, well, this is going to be here, so I might as well just make it a part of my life, and it's just going to be there and give in to resignation. But that is no way for us to live, brothers and sisters. We cannot become complacent with sinful habits, because that's not what we're made for. We are made for virtue, self-mastery, and the love that wills the good for the other. There's no such thing as a healthy or a moderate amount of lust, just like there's not a moderate amount of bleach to ingest. Lust impacts who we love, how we love, how we see them, and how we express our love to one another. It makes our minds addicted and entitled to pleasure, and if that desire is not fulfilled, we often look elsewhere. It's no surprise that in the last 60 years or so, marital infidelity has exploded. Because many people feel less satisfied in marriage, and therefore less willing to sacrifice for love. And therein lies the problem, I would say, for the family as a whole. Lust promotes a worldview of what can I get out of a relationship that is so antithetical to love itself. Because real love, brothers and sisters, is about giving, true self-gifts, Christ on the cross, shows us what real love is. It is a love that is willing to sacrifice its own very life for the other. Real love does not look for what I can get. It looks for what I can give. That is the love that all of us are called to. And yet I know from my experience of hearing confessions that so many of us struggle with living out that real, authentic love that all of us are called to, no matter our vocation. We're often beset with weakness, temptations of lust all throughout our lives, and it's so difficult. We know the ideal. We know what Christ wants us to do, and yet we know we are human beings and we struggle. And it doesn't help that our world so often says, oh, what's the big deal? It's in the privacy of your own home. The church shouldn't have a say on these things. And they also make it feel like it's a victimless sin as well. But again, tell that to to so many people who struggle nowadays. Whether it's marriages as a whole or individuals just longing to break free from struggles and addictions. And the church has a stake in this. Because the family is the building block of society. And the building block of the church as a whole. And when families are struggling, it means less people are being taught the faith. and That's not a very good thing. And the church suffers. Now for all of us who might struggle sometimes with sinful habits, especially those of lust know that we as a church are here to support you. You have no greater allies or cheerleaders in this fight than your priests, and all of us here as a community of faith. And to those who might fall from time to time, know that I personally am in your corner and want to help you in any way that I can. I can tell you that the best remedy is always going and running to our Lord in the confessional to receive his mercy and to be able to begin again. it's one of the most common things I hear in the confessional, so anything you tell me, I've heard it before. And after we receive that beautiful mercy of God, to receive him in Holy Communion. These two great sacraments, reconciliation and Holy Communion, are a beautiful remedy for us to allow us to fix our eyes on God and that him and him alone and his beautiful graces are what our hearts desire more than anything else. But maybe even more fundamentally, If we struggle with sinful habits, especially those of lust, we need to once again know that our God still loves us unconditionally. Pope Benedict XVI kind of reflected on this quite beautifully a few years ago, at least before he passed away. And he writes this, he says, the reality of evil cannot be ignored. So I'd say the reality of sin can't be ignored. It can't just be left there to stand. It has to be dealt with. It has to be dealt with. It must be overcome. That's the only thing that counts as real mercy. And he continues, he says, And the fact that God confronts evil because men are incapable of doing so on their own, therein lies the unconditional goodness of our God. Just think about that for a minute. Jesus himself confronted evil. He confronted our sins because he knows we are incapable of doing it on our own. If you think about all of Jesus's passion, you want to know why Jesus was scourged and had his flesh ripped and torn? Those were to atone for sins of the flesh. It's as if Jesus knew the internet would exist 2,000 years later. He confronted evil. He confronted the very things that we struggle with because he knew that we couldn't do it on our own. And he did this to reach us His beloved sons and daughters at the points of our lives where we often feel the most far away from God, whether that's our sins or maybe even death itself. Jesus does this to show us that we are loved and that we are his beloved sons and daughters, that we have a Savior who is also our brother, who is not just behind us but before us, urging us on to fight that good fight of faith. We have a God who sees us in our frailty and who, if anything, loves us more ardently for it. So when we struggle with sin, especially sins of the flesh, maybe we can reach out to God and simply pray, Lord, I cannot do this on my own. And with all my heart, I will strive for holiness, but Lord, I cannot do this without you. So brothers and sisters, we need to be bold in our defense against sin. To not just rid ourselves of the sin, but the sources of those sins in our lives. And let all of us embrace this beautiful virtue of chastity. Embrace the love that has no limits to its desire to sacrifice for the other. And may all of our relationships mirror the love of our God. The God who loves us freely, faithfully, totally and fruitfully. Who saves us from our sins and calls us to a life of joy, hope and unconditional love.